Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Tomorrow is a holiday in the U.S., and as with most holidays, the longer they have existed, the more we forget why we celebrate them. That is normal, of course, and so it takes more effort for us to discover what was the reasoning behind the setting after generation after generation and why we set aside uh, a day like this to reflect. Memorial Day is, is one of those days. We typically see it as the opening of the summer or the vacation season, and schools are starting to get out or getting ready to get out soon. And uh, there's this feeling of finally being able to spend more time outside and to be with friends and family. But Memorial Day really is a very somber day. We remember those who have given their lives for the rest of us in military service. Our recent wars are not as recognized as wars in the past, but they are still, there are still those who are giving their lives and folks that we know, loved ones, family members. We're also discovering that there's deep emotional traumas that can afflict our soldiers for many years, if not for the rest of their lives. Men and women that I have counseled before in the past and, and of recent times. It's a difficult thing to talk about, but we can't ignore it. We can help those who are honoring those who are serving by honoring their service, by remembering tomorrow their sacrifice, their selflessness, their service. About 1.2 million men and women have died in all the American wars combined, and about 42 million Americans have served from the beginning of time in the USA. For Christians, when someone gives their life for another, we understand the significance of that in a very profound way. So if we take a moment to think about Memorial Day from a Christian's perspective, what could we learn? What could we glean? And as I was praying about it a few days ago in preparation, uh, God really showed me some very valuable things that I think that we can take away if we'll just take a moment to think and reflect. Three significant things I see. Number one, service. Obviously, we think of service, we do think of the military. But Paul used the example of Christians being as soldiers. We've, we've talked about that within the last year, uh, about how we are really in a battle, we're in a war, and that we are soldiers, soldiers of the kingdom of God. And there is a battle that's constantly waving, uh, waging around us. But we have to determine from the beginning that we're going to follow in the Lord's path if we're going to be those who volunteer. The truth is, when we give our lives to Christ, we are given the, the, uh, the warrior's clothes. We are given the boots of the, the, of the gospel of peace. We are given not only the the clothing of peace, but we're given the clothing of battle. Prophetically, we see that Jesus was seen as the suffering servant. He was a servant. Not only the conquering king. You can read about that in Isaiah 53. For the Christian, service comes from us embracing who God has created us to be. So when we come into Christ, when we give our lives to Christ, it's not just fire insurance. It's not just a guarantee of eternal life. If we're left here on this earth, and it's really been about the last 30 years in the church that there is this rediscovery of purpose. 
this rediscovery that, you know, God made me for a reason, not just to be in heaven with him forever, but the life that the one life, the one valuable life that he's given me here is supposed to be given for his purposes. And so we're called up to serve. We're called up to serve. We were drafted, if you will, into the kingdom of God and his purposes. And discovering those sometimes take a, takes a lifetime. But it does get past some, some very deeply, uh, deep, deeply held beliefs inside that I think, it, and, and that's the reason why it takes so long for us to finally commit to service, is because of what's inside us, what we're born with. Because really, when I talk about service, it completely flies in the face of our current flood of narcissism. And it's interesting, the more that we embrace that which is human and, and we want to improve our well-being here on this planet, the more quickly we tend to think it's all about us. Consider this, in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says this, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because he was saying, hey, we glory in what God has done for us, and that's a wonderful thing. We can remind ourselves of all the glorious things that God has done for us, and we've got heaven, and, and, and we, we, we have so many things. But he says, but not only so, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And he goes on to share many, many other things in, in, uh, in, in a, uh, a system of how God continues to bless us and bless us and bless us if we will but surrender and serve, give our lives for the kingdom, give our lives in service to him. Obviously, the first thing that comes is that, that fight against our flesh, that fight of saying, I want to use, I, I, I've got, this is my life. I want to use this for me. I want to use this for my own ends. But when we come to Christ, we find that, man, we are at a major deficit, an incredible deficit, because our Savior gave his life for us. I mean, his physical life, we know that. And of course, we can never repay that. But Romans chapter 12 tells us, what is our service then? What is our response to what Jesus did for us? He says this, that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Living, living. We don't have to die, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But it all begins with that, yes, sir, I'm in. By choosing to serve, we become servants of Christ and involve ourselves in eternal activities and eternal results. And I have to say, can anyone top that? We can build our businesses. We can build our, uh, the wonderful things. We can acquire wealth. We can, we, can, we can have influence. We can do an incredible amount of things here. But in the end, I was, I was reading uh, Steve Jobs' last words kind of heartbreaking when you read it because i'm not sure he was a believer i i you know who knows he may have accepted christ a few days before he passed on but for the most part he was a buddhist he put his hope in someone else but to leave to read his last words was, again was heartbreaking because he really was appealing to us to say you know what after all the wealth and all the things that i have done in my life i can't take it with me all the things that i spent in in all the energy he, he actually was, was well known as being somewhat of a, a mean-spirited man. 
a very difficult man to work for. I mean, the stories will make the hair on the back of your head, you know, rise when you hear. You would never want to have been in a, in a staff meeting when, when something went wrong at Apple. We can just say that. But to hear him say that in humility and brokenness as the disease, you know, was taking his body, for him to just say, you know what, the, the most important thing is the love of people. And I thought, wow, it took a lot for him to say that. When he was notoriously a man who did not love people. People were just in the way. They were cogwheels. They were useful idiots in his mind. Eternal results. Eternal activities. When we sign up, when we give our lives to Christ, we become a part of something that is bigger than we can ever see with our eyes. But we have to trust the words of Jesus when he said, look, no, 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 no. This, this thing you belong to is so much bigger than you'll ever imagine. When we close our eyes for the last time and we get to heaven and we begin to see just what it was really, we're going to be like, wow, I never knew. We'll probably spend the first 100, 200 years saying, wow, I never knew just how God was really working, how important and critical every little decision, how the providential uh, divine plan of God is it was working out. Even, you, you just never know. You just don't know how God is doing things and stirring. And what we thought was a disappointment, what we saw as a brokenness, was, was all working forward into God's plan. I mean, we read the verse, all things work together for good, right? But do we really believe that? Do we really live that way? And being a servant is where that starts. In thinking and remembering that we belong to something so much bigger. Philippians, of course, Philippians chapter 2, Jesus' powerful example there. Brilliant Holy Spirit-led writing there. Poetic in its, in its delivery. That Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. It goes on to say that he became obedient. He became a servant, which was prophesied, of course, in Isaiah and Jeremiah. He was going to be a suffering servant, not just a conquering king, but that he says he became obedient. He said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. What do we need to do? Son, you need to die. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it says he became obedient, even obedient unto death. When we think of our soldiers, when we think of the military, when we think tomorrow, again, just remember Memorial Day is not remembering our current soldiers. We've got another day for that. Tomorrow we think about those who have given their lives. We focus on those men and women. Well, they've gone on, but we can also think of their families, of course. But what we need to remember is both not only them, but to take a moment and consider our own, our own service. To remember that, are we willing to give our lives for the sake of something even greater? The second thing I see when I, I think of Memorial Day in trying to make a comparison is the selflessness that it takes to walk as a believer, to be a soldier in Christ. I remember in my earliest days of walking with Christ, this concept of selflessness was very, very hard for me. And I was put in a situation with a dorm with a, a lot of other men who were studying for the ministry, and believe it or not, it was a, very, a fairly small room, probably not much bigger than our Connection Center back there. 
and, <clears throat> and we had 13 men in bunks that were stacked three high. And because I was one of the youngest guys coming in, I got the third bunk at the top. So if you had a bad dream and you woke up and you sat up real quick, you'd have those little popcorn stuff embedded in your forehead. Ah, oh. And then, of course, the more tenure you had, you moved down the bunks. The senior guys had, had the bottom bunk. And so it was difficult for me because I began to realize, wow, this, I, it began to, to, to realize that what I was signing up for was really meaning that I was having to dive you know, to my own desires, my own wants. It's like you, we come to God and say, God, please use me. And God says, okay, that's what I'll do. I'm going to use you. He's not going to abuse us, but he's going to use us, and he's going to use us up. And what we realize is that God does want it all. And again, it was difficult for me as a young man who had, you know, had come to that point in my life where now that I was 18, 19 years old, and I was in that point where I was so excited about now I get to do things that I, that I can do by myself. I get to do what I want only to find out that when I reported to Jesus, he says, okay, for the rest of your life, you don't get to do anything that you want. Oh. But of course, God began to show me that, yes, you seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness and my ways, David, and I will make sure that everything else is covered. It was always just a matter of priority, as we have learned many times. You know, some of us are tempted to see that all pleasure is evil and selfish, and that is not true. That's going way too far. Some suffering we can bring upon ourselves, and that's not necessary either. Not necessary at all. I mean, we don't need to f experience physical pain or mental anguish to feel like we're spiritual. That's not good. The sinful nature is not drawn to being selfless as, you know, to be honest. On the contrary, in that face of it, what we have seen in our times is that individualism has grown in our society. A lot of individualism. I read it all the time. You know, I, I read these things where you go seek your dream. Go. It's the magic kingdom of the world to go. Go and find your dreams. And, and over and over again, you see it in sporting events and, and commercials and things like that. And, and I just... In my heart, I yearn for that, but then I remember, wait a minute. I don't belong to that. I'm not free to just seek my dreams. Now, I know this may seem controversial to you, but hang with me here for a moment. I'm not free to go out and seek my dreams. I check my dreams at the door of Christ, at the foot of the cross. And that's where I go first. And our young people, they're, they're running off to college. They're getting ready. They're graduating high school. And that's what we're filling their little heads up with is just go, seek your dream, seek your dream. And that's fine. And, and, and a lot of them are going to do that only to find that it wasn't a dream after all. In some cases, it's a bit of a nightmare. But what I found in the dying to myself and the constant Dealing with my flesh as my flesh came up and I fought. I mean, when I, I remember when I was early in the, the, in the dorm. The two, I keep telling my kids, I said, man, still to this very day, there's two things you don't mess with with me, my food and my sleep. <laughs> and man, those guys, that, that's what they just went for. Stole my food and woke me up way too early. And oh boy, did the flesh come out. But you know what? It's got to come out. 
Galatians chapter 5, 13 and 14 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. What is our response to the selfish reflex? What is that? Re- I mean, when it comes up inside us, how do we deal with it? How do we, how do we deal with it when that, that snake rises up to, to, to bite us and to bite others? It, here's the solution, serve. When you find yourself inundated with selfishness, it's time to get selfless, to humble yourself and serve somebody. He goes on, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. All of the law, the whole book of Deuteronomy, Numbers, and Leviticus is all tied up. I mean, it's all fulfilled in this one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not just love your neighbor. Catch that part? Because all of us have different definitions of what love is. Here's a buck. Don't spend it all in one place. No, love, how would we want to be treated? Is generosity something that we appreciate? When we open our gift and we see that it's uh, a gift that you knew was given to somebody else, how does it make us feel? When we feel like somebody's only giving us, they said they'd come over and work in our yard and help us and they'd give us 10 minutes and it's like, wow, man, that's just a, you know. If we love people, we serve people as we love them and desire them to serve us, then we're going to give them a lot more, aren't we? Selflessness is what we're called to. Jesus, Jesus, of course, showed us the perfect way. In Mark chapter 10, 45, he says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. He's saying, guys, he's got his disciples together. He said, we're going to go and put in another 16-hour day. And the guys are like, man, Jesus, this is hard. He goes, look, I did not come here to play. We're here to serve. We're here to give our lives, guys. We're in a ministry right now. We, we got a mission, and we need to get it done. By pouring out our lives, by serving the, the unlovable, by reaching for those who are cast out. And he goes on and says, and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm convinced that the true depth of one's maturity, please catch this, I'm convinced that the true depth of one's maturity in Christ is measured by the amount of true selflessness one lives by period. I don't care how well you can teach the Bible. I don't care how much money you've made in the name of Jesus. I don't care how much, how good you look, how good you smell. I don't care where you've been. I don't care about any of that. And I don't think God does either. What is really impressive, and at my age, and after serving God as many years as I've had, the thing that turns my head is when I see somebody doing something very simple and selfless for someone else. That I go, especially the older we get. Especially the older we get. When I see older people taking time to serve the younger and to love on them, I just go, it's good stuff. Really good stuff. Because sometimes we tend to think as we get older and more mature, you know what? 
I've spent a lot of time building up my own little throne. I think it's time that I take it. It's, I think it's time that I get up on that thing and everybody recognize I've been serving Jesus for 35, 40 years. I think these young bucks and these, these whippersnappers need to acknowledge that. Hail the honored one. Come forth. You know? I'm tempted with that. Alan, I've been doing this for a long time. Long, long time. And a long, uh, long enough to see a lot of Christians come and go, by the way. Men that I served with, not serving him anymore. But you know what? I realize, like John the Baptist, who sat in his cell, and he had, had, he had the glory of what he was doing, and he had been there, and you know, he, I mean, his ministry was pretty doggone good. He had thousands of people lined up. And I mean, he's Duncan. That must have, that, I mean, as much as he knew that this was all for the glory of God, there was some notoriety to it. There was some sense of, man, I'm the guy that was talking about in the, in the Old Testament. I am the one who's crying out in the wilderness. That when he sees Jesus, it must have been such a mixed sense of, of joy and sadness. There he is, the one whose sandals I'm unworthy to tie. Here he comes. Here he comes. Wait a minute. My ministry is over. I'm done. And it wasn't before long that he was imprisoned. And he's looking through the bars and saying, Jesus, are you the one? I kind of had different expectations. And Jesus, of course, his cousin, Felt sorry, you know, there was sadness there. But, but if, I'm sure if he could have looked at him face to face, he would have said, John, your, your race is over, buddy. And I'm so glad you did it. And, God, and Jesus said that. He says, no one is more righteous than this man. No one is more, I mean, he is celebrated in heaven. We all get to meet him. But that thought of him realizing that he had poured it all out, he was thinking, well, now I get to hang out with Jesus. Now I get to be the great John the Baptist. Not so. It's hard. It's the stories we skip over. Selfless is not thinking of ourselves less. It's not thinking of ourselves at all. That takes a lifetime to learn that. Because we almost always process through, okay, what do I get out of this? Isn't that true? We know it's true. We're conditioned to think that way in our society. When we're able to receive this truly humbling gift of selflessness, because I really do believe it comes from God, but for the grace of God, right? Then amazing ministry can flow through us. You know, that's a hard, hard thing, standing from where I am. Because I do sometimes see men and women who take glory for themselves and deep in my heart, I want to just step back and, and, and get clear because I just want to say, glory for a season, my friend, but look, I hope you realize this is not about you. Paul said, look, I'm glad you're all enjoying your favor, but we're over here, lambs led to the slaughter. We're dying for you. But don't be discouraged when we think of this. When you think of your own level of selflessness, don't be overwhelmed. If you love Jesus, you're in his school. <laughs> you're signed up. Galatians 2.20. Paul says this, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
when you feel overwhelmed, just remember, you know what? We were crucified with him. We don't live anymore. That flesh is, is dead, theologically speaking, but it's dying over time. And God is, committed, God is committed to seeing us change and go from glory to glory. It is the trade-off that is hard. We have to give up the small, shrunken, earthly, fleshly thing to receive something that's alive and true and eternal. And even for those of us in this room that have experienced that from time to time, it never becomes any easier. Because God seems to go, it does, we don't, I, what I've seen is we don't get parallel experiences. <laughs> In other words, we don't get, you, you, when you go to college, you don't take a class of, when you go to the next grade, you don't take a class of, of, of equal intensity. They take you up a notch. And in the same way, in your growth in the Spirit, when you pass one test, on one hand, you're rejoicing and thinking, oh, I got that. Oh. I've learned this. Praise the Lord. You don't praise the Lord for long because the next level is a coming, baby. Ready to grow us. Take us from glory to glory, service to service, selfless act after selfless act, but of course, the glory of God. The final thing that we learn and what we can embrace here is that sacrifice is giving something, well, sacrifice. Service, then selflessness, and then finally sacrifice. You see that these are in increasing intensity. It takes our desire to say yes, sir, to get started, and then dealing with our selfish nature, and then finally it comes to sacrifice. See, sacrifice is something that's got to cost you. So that's why I, you know, I joke, and I shouldn't joke, but I'd say, you know, Christians either are tithers in full sacrifice or they're tipping God or they're tipping the church. And ding! Have a great day, man. Knock yourself out. Which is why the tithe is a percentage of what we have. It's not a flat thing. Those who have much, give much. Those who have little, give little. We give according to what God has given to us with always the goal and the desire, is that as we give that way, God will increase us so that we can become a greater uh, gift to the body of Christ. Never to just settle in and just say, well, I'm sure glad I wasn't called up to that. No, no, no. should be the desire in every heart of every believer to want to become more and more of a blessing. But let me get back to my point. Sacrifice, it is something that costs you. Sacrifice involves a little bit of discomfort and pain the father gave his only begotten son he didn't have two and think well this is my best son i'll give him the less best son he didn't do that he gave his only begotten son his beloved son and jesus of course surrendered to the father's will selflessness will always lead to some sort of sacrifice it most certainly will if you walk with christ I'm sorry, if your walk with Christ has not cost you, then you likely have not gotten this far in the process yet. But all Christ followers will die in some way to the things of this world. Absolutely. All the disciples of Christ, including Paul himself, became martyrs except John. Legend has it that every single one of them eventually died. 
And even as much as that is not like, yay, we get to die. Let's go out into the world. Thank God we're not all called to be martyrs. But we are all called to die. We truly are. And so what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about dying to ourselves, of course. I'm talking about getting into our flesh, of course. When our flesh, you know, you know and, and, and I, back again, going back years ago, talking about discipleship, Brian, you know, we've been talking about that topic recently. And I love this image because it's, the, it's, so, it's so clear in my mind. And I forgot who wrote about this. But anyway, and it might have been in uh, the Calvary Road. It probably is. But anyway, that we, you can test the level of your flesh that when, when someone steps on you, that if you got flesh, you're like a snake and you strike. But that if you're broken, you'll be like the worm that just squirms and dies. And you say, well, I'm not sure I like that. I'm not sure I like, I mean, if somebody doesn't get my bur- burger right, I'm ready to, you know, I'm ready to deal with something. I'm ready to call the manager out. And it's, it, it, it is, I mean, it just blows my mind. I read in the news from time to time, local so-and-so beats the, the teller up because they didn't get their burger right. I mean, have we not come to the place of incredible selfishness beyond comprehension? <laughs> Lord, help us. And if Christians are doing that, then wow, we got a lot to learn. This whole idea of, of, of dying to self is, is, is nowhere even on the list of, of desires of, of, of the next level of, of learning and maturity. Truth sacrifice will bring great fruit. And so we can look at this in, 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 in not retrospect, but in uh, the converse of this. No fruit, no sacrifice. If we don't have a lot of fruit in our life, if we're not, if, if we're, we're not bringing in bushels of fruit, both in our spirit and our soul and in our body, if we're not experiencing the abundance of, 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 of Christ, I love the idea of the well that's springing up a well and it's just the water just coming up. It's the artesian well of just it just coming. And I, w- I was talking with somebody recently because they were just saying, you know, man, I'm living in this season right now where it's just, it's just coming. Blessing after blessing after blessing. And it's just like, what have I done? I said, buddy, let me tell you what you did. I said, you sowed seeds for years. Selfless seeds. And if you put seeds in the ground long enough, they're going to start to germinate. And it's amazing that if you sow in your youth, young people, sow in your youth, then at some point in your life, all that begins to come up. And not just one single plant with a replacement fruit, a seed. Bing, one seed. No, 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 no. It comes up and it's full of fruit. It's abounding, it's reaching, it's stretching, it's, it's overflowing. And in the harvest, you're laughing out loud and saying, wow. It's for the parent who's sown into their child with tears, focusing on raising them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, and yet going on in your old age to see the fruit of the love of God pouring out of their life. It is those who literally are, are sacrificing with a dollar, twenty, sixty dollars here for mutual funds and savings, and then when they come to their old age, they realize, you know what, I sacrificed, and now I'm seeing the fruit of that through, through uh, investment. 
And, and it's so funny in our, in our culture now, that's being, that is being hated, and those who, who have done that are being threatened. It's like, well, why did you save? Why, why are you so well off in your old age? Because they invested. They sacrificed. Why should we judge that? Why should we do any of that? It's the same thing. We can do this now. Because you plant one seed and it begins to burst. It may not be like everybody else's orchard. But certainly you can enjoy your one tree that's laden with fruit. But you've got to sow a seed. And it comes through sacrifice. John 12, Jesus speaks to this directly. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. Notice what happens to the seed. It dies. It feels like we're dying when we give something that we wish we could have. Time, energy, my dreams, my hopes, my desires, my money. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Here, here's, here's the crux. Catch this. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, but whoever, uh, anyone who loses it will lose it, but while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life, and whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. And my Father will honor, honor the one who serves me. See, the Christian doesn't have to physically die for his faith, but he does have to die to his flesh, his sinful nature. And as much as that might, may feel like a relief, it really isn't. Physical death is far easier than dying daily to the things of this world. To take that last breath and see Jesus and say, run across the tape and say, ah, it is finished. Amen. But to live in this world means that every single day to live as Christ, to die as gain, is what Paul said. Paul was a clear example of one who suffered for the gospel's sake. But more than that, for the church and for us today. So Memorial Day is about remembering the service, the selflessness and the sacrifice of our service men and women. As Christians, we serve in the army of the living God and these same qualities are required for us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ while looking to the joy that is set before us, the reward of our faithful service. We might experience reward here, and I, I dare say you absolutely will. There will be the joy. But that joy should never, never, never take away that, that, that what they call the eschatological expectation or the hope, the expectation of this all being wrapped up in Jesus. Enjoy our life here. Enjoy those sunsets. Enjoy those beaches. Enjoy those mountains. Enjoy your youth. Enjoy your strength. Enjoy your health. Enjoy the food that you have. Enjoy whatever gift God gives you on this earth. But remember Solomon when he realized and having tasted and seen and done everything, no one experienced more greater joy, more greater happiness, more, no, no greater sense of, of, of experiencing all that this world has to offer. No more than that guy, ever. And he comes away saying, look, the best thing you can do is to give your life to Christ and remember that this all is taken away in an instant. And there is something greater 
That is the glory of God and the sacrifice sown. Remembering who we are created to be every single day. So tomorrow, whatever you might be doing, some of you may have to work, some of us, but when we take that time, whatever that might be, that time when we're able to enjoy a holiday, use that as an opportunity to propel you forward in God. To enjoy it and say, you know what? To take a moment to pray. To take a moment to say, God, thank you <laughs> for my life. But may I not be one who buries my talent. Maybe, maybe I use the rest of my life not to glorify my flesh, not to glorify in the things of man, not to glorify in those things in this world that will be burned up, torched. I don't care what plaque you get. I don't care what metal you put on your chest. I don't, know what, I don't care what degree you hang on your wall. But what the, the greatest thing that you could possibly do is by offering your life as that living sacrifice. That is eternal, my friends. And that's what it's all about. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. If I could have our, our prayer teams, please come. We want to give you a chance this morning after the service is over, if you would like prayer for physical healing, if you'd like prayer to give your life to Christ, we'd love, if you want to know what your next step is, or how do you move forward? Perhaps you're one that has been reveling in the things of this world and you, you've come up empty you realize the emptiness of it you want to know what's next how you can change that i want to help you we want to help you to find that peace that passes understanding to have that joy that never goes away it's that quiet calm see that's what real joy is biblical joy quiet calm nestled in the heart of god confident of my future not disturbed about my past lord i pray all across this room right now that you would help us to take one more step in the direction of service lord to embrace selflessness and lord walk the steps of sacrifice and i pray lord that we would in this life experience the fruit of that in one way or another. But then when we do, Lord, we would remember that even then, we can't take it with us. It was not by our strength or effort. It came by the grace of God that you might be glorified in all that we do, all that we say, and all that we experience, and all that we attain, and all that we store up for your glory. We thank you. Lord, bless us now. Bless us and keep us Make your face shine upon us as we go. Let us remember, in Jesus' name, amen.